Hello, and welcome to the Coronation Asset Management podcast series, where we discuss everything around wealth and investment management, identifying trends in financial markets, as well as topical themes. I'm Guy Czartoryski, Head of Research at Coronation Asset Management, and I will be your host steering these conversations. Today, I am joined by Munir Buba, Chief Investment Officer of Coronation Asset Management, and we are going to discuss our recent publication, Comparing Mutual Funds, Apples, Oranges, and a Hand Grenade. Munir, what did you make of our report? Hello, Guy. Um, Starting with growth in the mutual fund industry, the report mentions that we are convinced that Nigerian servers are making the long-term transition from building savings with banks to a culture of saving with mutual funds. What do you believe the reason for this to be? Well, thanks for that, Munir. I've lived in this country since September 2013. And when I arrived here, it was very clear that savers would save their money in bank accounts. And they would save with savings accounts, deposit accounts. And that was the basic way in which you built up wealth for the long term. During my time here, that has changed a lot. We've seen the pension funds grow at a huge rate, and we've also seen mutual funds take off. In fact, over the last five years, the compound annual growth rate of mutual funds has been something like 33%. So they really are growing extremely fast. And even in the first five months of this year, they grew at 8.7%. So you can see that savers are increasingly taking their money out of deposit accounts of banks and turning to mutual funds for long-term savings. Uh, It appears differences in unit price valuations within the industry, amongst other things, make it difficult to compare mutual fund performances. Could you elaborate on these three issues as identified in the report, please? Sure. It is the key message of the report, although we have something to say about uh, safety as, as well. So what we did in the report is we put ourselves in the shoes of people trying to buy a fund, literally a retail investor going out, looking at funds and comparing the unit price performance of, in this case, fixed income funds. And what we found is that there were huge differences in the way these funds perform, so much so that it can't be done down to the fund manager itself. There must be something else happening. And when we investigated, we found out that there were three types of things that make funds report in different ways. One is accounting, which is probably the most important one, whether they're following the traditional amortized cost convention or the more modern mark-to-market accounting. And the next uh, source of difference was dividends, whether you add back the dividends to the performance data or not. That makes a huge difference. And the last thing is guarantees, which will influence which accounting method you actually use. Can you elaborate a bit about how you found, uh, how you were able to solve the dividend estimation issue? Well, uh, for the dividend issue, you have to identify the funds that pay dividends. Then you have to find out what dividends they have paid. And you have to do that over a long period of time. Uh, a minimum 
three years, as we decided. But really, ideally, you do it for the life of the fund. And then you need to add those back to see what the performance is like. Some funds will pay out almost all their income as a dividend in each year, which is fine. But you need to know that they're doing that and you need to know how much they're paying out. So if you look at the unit price of a fund like that, you'll find that the dividend consumes all the income and the actual unit price is flat over the period of time. And we certainly found some funds whose performance is exactly like that. But if you don't disclose that and if it's not clear, then you don't know the difference between those funds and the funds that show better apparent unit price performance. Very interesting. Let's go back to a first issue. Um, speaking of the accounting methods, mark to market versus amortized cost. Could you explain the bond pricing math used under both techniques as well as the advantages and disadvantages of using either? Yes, so this really goes to the core of what we are saying. So let me go through the two methods to begin with. The amortized cost method is the traditional method used in this country. It's also known as the effective interest rate method. And the way you account for a bond there is you buy it at a, at a price, and then each month or reporting period, you add a fraction of the coupon that is due to you until you get to the coupon you actually get for the full year, and then you start again, and you go on to the next year. The advantage of doing that, of course, is that you have a nice, smooth, straight line uh, giving extra, extra value to the fund every single month. The next method is called mark-to-market, and this is used internationally. And this gives you two things. It gives you the market price of the bond plus the... Uh, fraction of the coupon that is due uh, to the in investor. So it's a totally different way of uh, accounting for a bond. Now you'd mentioned the advantages. So the advantages uh, of the amortized cost method is that you get a nice straight line. So you can say we bought this at 100 and now it's worth 102 and next month we're worth 104 etc. You can go to your investors and it's very good for marketing. However, the disadvantage is that it's not accurate because that line does not tell you the market price of the bond or what your fund manager can actually gain or, 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 or get in the market when he or she sells the bond on your behalf. And that's where the mark to market has the advantage. It's much more accurate, it's more truthful, and it's safer. You know, I've been using Mark to Market for the past 24 years, my entire experience, but nevertheless, let me play the devil's advocate. How about the uh, marketing advantage of using uh, amortized cost versus the uh, volatile uh, Mark uh, to Market valuation? That is a very tough question. Uh, as you say, uh, if you're using the amortized cost, you have a nice smooth line. You can go to your uh, investors. You can say, look, we are adding money every single month to the value of your account. And if you look at the data that you can get uh, online, uh, or you can get it from the Fund Managers Association of Nigeria, or indeed you can get it from the Securities and Exchange Commission of Nigeria website, uh, you, you can see these funds 
uh, that have nice straight lines uh, accruing value for the investors every single month. So from a marketing point of view, it's very good. It is often associated with the word guarantee. So you often see the word guarantee in the name of a fund. Look, we're taking your money and we guarantee we won't lose it. We guarantee it won't go down in value. And here's a nice straight line. Now, when you're on the website of these funds, or if you're on the website of uh, the Fund Managers Association of Nigeria, FMAN, or you're on the website of the SEC, you will also find other data for unit prices that shows the prices going up and down. And those will be the mark-to-market funds. And so from a marketing point, point of view, it's actually quite difficult because you're saying, well, one day... Uh, interest rates are going down, so your fund value is going up because the bond values are going up. And another day, the interest rates are going down and the fund values are going up. Did I get that right? I think I got that right. I do hope I got it right. So uh, interest rates and bond values move in opposite directions. So, of course, um, you have to explain to your investors that on some days uh, they're going to see the value of their their bonds going down. However, common to both the amortized method and the mark to market is the fact that at the end of the life of the bond, the cash flows received are exactly the same. It's just how you get there that matters. I think the advantage of mark to market that we need to explain to people is that mark to market will show you accurately what the fund manager will get in the market on the day if you choose to liquidate your units in your fund. It's totally accurate, it's totally safe, and that is why it is the backbone of global standards. Very insightful. Thank you for your answer. Let's focus on risk now. What are the risks posed by using either of these accounting methods and the role of the industry regulator in addressing this risk? So let's start this time the other way around. Let's start with uh, mark-to-market. So with mark-to-market, the risk is that you're going to scare your investors. Uh, You're going to say, well, interest rates went up uh, quite a lot. Uh, The value of your your bonds went down slightly. Although, as I say, the cash flows are not, not affected at all. And they might get the wrong idea and think you're doing a bad job. Conversely, interest rates might go down. Uh, your bond prices might go up and they're saying, hey, you're doing a fabulous job. You are up, you know, 10, 15% in six months. Let's pile in and buy more. So so the, the, the risk is that you actually get the wrong side of your investors and therefore you need to educate them uh, and you need to say uh, that, uh, that everything's going fine, uh, that, uh, that this is just how the market works uh, and they need to be a little bit patient. Now let's go on to the risk associated with the amortized cost. The amortized cost gives a false picture. The amortized cost says you have a nice smooth line and uh, we accrue and we add a coupon or a fraction of the coupon at regular intervals and your investment therefore is always going up. There's a huge risk in doing that. At some points, that unit price you generate from that will show a price that's too low because, in fact, the market's stronger than that. And at other points, and this is really dangerous, it will generate a value that is too high. And on those occasions, you will have 
a situation where your unit price does not reflect what the fund manager can get in the market for your investments. Mm, understand. Can you give a summary of the methods adopted to carry out this research and your findings? Sure. Um, this is um, a sequel to a report we wrote a year ago. That report was called Comparing Mutual Funds, Apples and Oranges. And this year it's called Comparing Mutual Funds, Apples, Oranges and a Hand Grenade, because we think the hand grenade is that situation I just described where um, the unit price of an amortized cost fund doesn't reflect what you can get in the market. Um, so the, the methods we used were as follows. We posed as people wanting to buy a fund, quite simply retail investors, and we chose fixed income funds because they're good for long-term capital appreciation. And we went out and we looked at the websites of uh, the Fund Managers Association of Nigeria and of the SEC. We got the data and we just compiled it over a three-year period. On the fixed income fund side, there are 27 funds to choose from. 21 of them have data for the past three years. So six of them has been launched within the last three years. Um, and we took the data from the 21 and we plotted monthly unit price data over the period. And that's where we saw how these accounting differences make for differences in the apparent performance of the funds. Coronation is very active on GIPS, Global Investment Performance Standards. What is GIPS and the benefits of Nigeria adopting it? So we've chosen to follow GIPS and, and your funds follow GIPS and it imposes a reporting burden upon your funds. GIPS are Global Investment Performance Standards. It is the international benchmark for how you measure the value of a fund at any given moment. GIPS um, are um, sponsored by the CFA Institute. They are totally widespread and totally standard in the United States, in Europe, the UK, and in Asia as well. And they're huge advantages. And the main advantage is that the numbers you're seeing are safe. The numbers reflect what the fund manager can get for you in the market when you sell your units. There's a secondary advantage that's very important, which is why we call it comparing mutual funds, and that is that your comparison between funds of the same class is totally accurate. So you can go onto different websites and you compare fund performance, and if they are both GIPS or they're all GIPS, then you know that your comparison will be true. What is the role of international fund comparison sites such as Morningstar, Eudollar, and the Financial Times Fund Comparison Service? Well, these are really important. Um, these are super resources for the industry, but not only for the industry, but for retail investors and also for professional uh, ad advisors too. What you can do is you can get onto those sites. Some of them are free, uh, but all of them will have a free trial period, which you can use. And you can literally compare thousands of funds uh, around the world. And it's marvelous. Uh, it, you can spend quite a lot of time on them, getting very accurate 
information. So, for example, if I want to compare uh, a European equity fund, for example, I can right now uh, get onto the Financial Times comparison website or Yodala or Morningstar, and I can say I want to compare the BlackRock uh, European Equity Fund with the Fidelity International European Equity Fund. I will have data over five years, three years, and a year, and I can make my selection accordingly. Of course, I should say that past performance is not a guarantee to future performance, but nevertheless, uh, that's a good way to start comparing the performance of funds over time. What are the steps um, taken in liaising with the industry regulators and trade bodies, such as uh, the Security and Exchange Commission, FMAN, the Fund Manager Association of Nigeria, in order to improve confidence in the Nigerian mutual fund industry? So one of the first steps we take, and I hope we can come back to this, uh, is to go to the fund managers themselves and argue the case for using mark-to-market. Um, and that's what this report is, is partly about. The next step is to go um, to the SEC. But in fact, there's no issue with the SEC because it is an SEC rule that fund managers need to present the fair market value of their holdings and the emphasis there is on market value so there's not much of an issue there uh, with the fund managers association of nigeria we liaise with them all the time uh, we have regular meetings with them we have very regular correspondence with them and we're encouraging them to encourage their members to adopt mark to market but as i said to begin with it's about trying to convince the industry with reports like this and so I want to ask you, Munir, if I may, um, what your thoughts were about this report when you read it. Um, I really liked uh, your report. For me, it's a massive breakthrough. Uh, and I hope that uh, we will achieve um, good things. Uh, we'll be able to convince our clients, investors, um, our competitors, uh, the regulator, then the right methodology is the mark to market. It will definitely make uh, my life easier when I'm pitching clients, uh, when I have to explain to them uh, what are the differences and that our fund performance is way better than way that how it may appear on websites such as uh, FMAN. Over the past uh, six months, our coordination fixing income fund has been in the top five of the entire industry in terms of performance, um, as uh, reported by uh, Nera Metrics. And uh, twice it was the best uh, of this category. Uh, and we are using mark to market. So sometimes uh, uh, using mark to market, um, if you have the right strategy, even if your competitors are not GIPS compliant, are not using the right way, you can, you can still, I mean, deliver performance, but also show it and use it as a, as a marketing uh, uh, tool. So I really like your, your, your piece. Uh, it's a good breakthrough. We have been discussing a lot, of course. <laughs> I've been asking you for feedback from the people you know in the market, in the industry, uh, what are their thoughts. So I really hope that uh, it will have a very good effect. Well, it's interesting you should say that, Munir, because I was pitching to a client uh, some time ago and we had a discussion with that client and I was worried 
uh, that the mark to market would discourage them after a while because for certainly you know when interest rates go up in a fixed income fund then the value of the bonds go down you have to report that and I was worried that this would work against us and I almost came back from that meeting saying can't we do amortized costs for this client do you remember what happened next of course I remember perfectly <laughs> I told you we both know obviously that mark to market is the right way because at the end of the day, and it's a safe way also for the investor. If tomorrow they want to sell, we'll be able to sell at market price and give them back their funds. Um, we had a long discussions, and uh, at the end of the day, we reverted to the client. So they are very familiar with these uh, techniques and uh, explaining both methods. We understood that now the right way to do it is a mark to market. And they said, no, no. Just use your company policy, which is in terms of pricing and valuation, the mark-to-market. We explain to the client and uh, uh, this is how we are going to be managing uh, that specific portfolio. And I'm pleased to say that they are a client today. Thank you for listening. It has been a pleasure having you share this time with us. Do well to look out for the next episode and share the Coronation Asset Management Podcast across your network. You can also connect with us at coronation.ng for more insights. Until next time.